Welcome to uh, Cut and Splice. This is Gil. I'm here with uh, Matt and Jason. And um, this week we're going to be discussing Wild Strawberries. And I think this movie, um, we, we've, this is a personal favorite of mine. And um, we've, when we started the, um, discussing the idea of doing this podcast, it was one of the movies that we thought that we should do, especially a, a Bergman movie. And um, and here we are. It took a little while, but we we got there. I guess the uh, Jason Matt, this um, you both watched it before, right? We've all seen it at an earlier point. Uh, correct. Um, I would say that I sort of saw it. You and um, I went to go see a double feature at the New Beverly. I want to say it was around midnight or something. And this was the second movie that played. Uh, I don't remember what the first movie was, but I remember you were like, we got to go see this movie. It's like really good. And that's the only time I had ever seen it. And I was falling asleep, not because it's not a good movie, but because I was super tired. And on the way home, we were talking about it. And I, and I realized as we were talking about it, that I was like, man, I must have missed whole scenes in this movie. Like, I just really did not grasp all of it because I was like definitely passing out throughout it. Yeah. So in a way, this was more or less one of the reasons I wanted to see it as well is because I, it would be like seeing it for the first time. Really, like I really needed to really sit down and watch it. It happens to me too with certain movies, so that definitely good to <laughs> to refresh on it. And, and also, I'll say at the New Beverly too. Sometimes those double features back then, yeah. I, I do feel like one of those movies gets lost almost, especially the second one if it's yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I remember. I remember you were you were passing out a little bit when we were watching <laughs> um, uh, Cliffhanger after um, Last Action Hero. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's definitely gonna make me <laughs> snooze a bit. Uh, what about well, you, Matt? Uh, yeah. Oh well, one thing that I'll never forget is going to the new Be uh, the new Beverly when they had the double feature of Sunshine and Two Thousand One Space Odyssey, and having a guy sitting in front of us like snoring like a cow <laughs> during during 2001 space odyssey first time i've ever seen that movie too uh, but, uh yeah now um i i saw wild strawberries i think for the first time uh in college i've seen it a few times since then uh it it, it has been a few years since i've revisited it um it, it, just for me in terms of Bergman films uh, the seventh seal was always kind of my go-to like if I just felt like you know oh I want to watch a really depression uh, depressing Scandinavian movie I'm going to watch the seventh seal <laughs> instead of instead of wild strawberries but uh, uh, no, I, I mean it, it is a movie that kind of hit me from the beginning and that was probably like you know what 12 years ago or something and uh uh and it stuck with me and it's something that um i was very happy to revisit and the funny thing is i only have like one minor technical quibble with the movie i don't have any storytelling quibbles with the movie 
just one minor technical quibble with the movie, and I really love how it's done technically. So, I mean, this is easily, and, you know, like, when you get into that territory, you know that it's a great movie. You know, when you actually have to find something to kind of sort of say, ah, this could have been done better. But anyway, you know, I'll I'll defer to you two for the next few minutes. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and as far as uh, me personally, the uh, I, when I got into these types of movies, these um, foreign films, I went through all the big directors, you know, the Fellini, the Bergman, and, um, and there's definitely, um, Bergman was the, something about him was always interesting to me because, and this is why we also discussed this during the slow movies episodes, as I was saying how <laughs> Bergman movies don't give you that much as far as what to engage with. You really have to make an effort to engage with the movies. But not in a not in a bad way. I I, I didn't even correct myself then to say it, but I love his movies um, because and specifically Wild Strawberries because it's it's really I I feel like with this movie he really hits the right balance of being accessible, uh, being modern, and um, it just something about it just really works. It's also a road movie. Yeah, you know, so a road trip movie, which is always engaging. So it's pretty much as engaging as it gets, but it's still very good. It doesn't feel like a compromise of his style and his storytelling um, way. Um, so, and then surprisingly, I've been surprised because I'm on a Bergman group and like Facebook, and and I see people talk about all these movies that they really like of his, and while Strawberries. People like it, but it doesn't come up as, as like say, a top five for m some people. For most people, it seems like, and and I'm very surprised because it is my favorite movie of his. I should revisit the 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 Seventh Seal. There's also Winter Light, which a lot of people consider his best movies. Movies, so I, mm -hmm. I I guess I should check that one out as well. Uh, but yeah, but this one it's my personal favorite and. Also, I think like a top five of all time movie. Uh, for some odd reason, for the I, I to relate it in the best possible way, I think it's in the same way that I feel like Punch Drunk Love by Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite movie of his. Not not because it's the best one objectively, but because it's the best one subjectively. It's because I have a very strong connection to what's going in those two particular movies that I, I just really connected yeah. with. So, yeah, and um, but I do, that's why I, I'm curious to hear your guys' opinion or general impression before we get into the second part with spoilers. Um, how how did you react to it, especially Jason, since you, um, <laughs> I guess this is technically the first time you've seen it in a way. Yeah. I really like the movie. The, it's a little... Maybe just a little slower than I remembered it being, but um, yeah, I I think there's something very warm about it, you know, like something that I I, I real quickly 
you said like you kind of were thinking about revisiting the seventh seal. I mean, I, I would be interested in watching that again too. I saw that um, a long time ago and it was like, all I really remember are like images of it. I barely remember the movie at all. Um, and it's like such a popular movie, you know? <laughs> um, but um, this movie, yeah, like I said, it, there's uh, something about the end when he's, he's in bed and everything at the end of the movie. And it's just like, for being, you know, a movie about an old man and everything, and he's, they are really constantly like doubling down about how his, his life is like, he's very cold and everything. And um, by the end of the movie, it's, um, it's very like affirming in a way. I don't know. It's like, I'd really, um, I don't, it's hard to really put your finger on it, but I, I do like the movie quite a bit. It's, um, it's just, uh, it's solid. And the the transitions, there's like a lot of transitions between what's actually happening and what he's like remembering. I guess you could call them flashbacks, but they're they're not really flashbacks, really. They're in movie terms, they're more like visions or something. He's kind of like seeing stuff that happened that even stuff that he probably shouldn't even have been able to see. So it's kind of like weird, trippy, like mind game vision type stuff that's going on and all the transitions are like really good. So I don't know. I, I have a real positive experience with the movie for sure. Yeah. It's like projections in a way, those, uh, those moments, yeah. because it, it's, 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 um, it's a time that he was in, but, uh, but, um, but events that he wasn't part of because he was away. Like you never see the younger version of himself and, and it's his uh, psychological projections, the, the whole movie essentially yeah is it's mm. yeah similar to like say a citizen kane only from the point of view of kane <laughs> yeah you know, like it, he's it telling his like own yeah. story um so it's um yeah it's 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 a very cool way and that's what i mean on the surface it's it's very moment to moment not that far off from you you can pretty easily engage with what's going on there but the technique on the surface, oh, these are flashbacks, but they're not. They're projections, you know, or and the dreams are also not as simple as so that that's what Bergman does. Like he'll do things that on the surface seem like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before in a movie, but it's not exactly like that. He he really does it in his own way and it's still sophisticated. I mean, the if we want to, like, bring up cinematography for a moment. Like what he does okay. in the car, like in the car, yeah. come on, like he, the push-ins push out a transition. Yeah. He'll cut, he'll do a reversal of a character and then go to the, the memory and then back yeah. out of the memory. Such cool stuff that yeah. you just, it's not that common that people will just shoot in a car and it'll just be like, you know, single, single, like he goes all out. He's like as much as his movies are dialogue heavy and he's almost like a almost like a writer first. He's very big on the written word and everything. What he does with the visuals is in a in a tight car, it's spectacular. It's just yeah, it's very and, engaging stuff. Yeah, and especially for nineteen fifty seven when, you know, we didn't have the technology that we have now to just kind of you know, like throw a car mount on that's like done with suction cups and yeah yeah you, you, you have like a tiny camera 
and you can just kind of do everything remotely. I mean, they actually had to do everything by hand. So, uh, uh, I mean, all that took a lot of, a lot of work. So, um, yeah, and uh, when we get into the the second portion, you know, I'll I'll get a little bit into my quibble about the the technical side, but that is not my quibble with the technical side. So yeah. <laughs> but overall, um, yeah, your reaction to um, I mean, the movie, like um, as far as well, my my favorite part of the movie is that it set up a joke for the far superior movie star trek first contact <laughs> you know okay. borg borg it sounds swedish <laughs> uh, I, I, obviously i obviously that's a joke but uh, uh, uh yeah i mean the main character his last name is borg and it's a swedish borg. movie and you know ha ha borg uh uh if you have to explain the joke, it's not a good joke. But, I didn't explain it. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I mean, I there is so much in the movie that kind of telegraphs a little bit of apathy or like, you know, that, you know, like this is not, you know, a, a person who has lived a life of accomplishment but not of substance and um which seems i i don't want to stereotype but it kind of seems like a very nordic storyline in a lot of ways uh you know it's something that we're just used to you know coming from that area of the world but at the end you you just don't feel like this was a kick in the balls you know you know this this is a movie that finally comes to uh you know comes to a conclusion where you're, you're you know, okay well yeah there there is some meaning in life even if you kind of let certain opportunities slip through your fingers and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I, I mean, again, I, I, I feel like I'm being cryptic enough that I'm not spoiling anything, but um, yeah, I, 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 there, there's, there's a healthy amount of melancholy and there's a healthy amount of beauty in the movie. And uh, I do regard it as one of the better movies, one of the best movies that I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, that's what I have to say at the moment. So, yeah, that's funny. Is that <laughs> I, I am looking forward to the second part because uh, it seems like you're setting it up as as there's several things that you're not crazy about in it or something and but then you say it's one of the best movies ever so <laughs> that's so it's definitely good <laughs> yeah, to delve I, into that well it, um, well, it, well again i, I mean it, it's just one of those things where i'm i'm digging for something that i don't like i'm i'm actually digging to see if there's something that just went wrong and there are a few things there are like one or two things that I think that I could point to and say, ah, eh, this could have been done a little bit better. 
it's not even that that it was done wrong. It's just that it could have been done slightly better. It's funny. It's it's like we're having a pattern with um, uh, like like we Stardust and Princess Bride, where we're taking these movies that are so good, especially the Princess Bride, and then breaking them apart for issues and, <laughs> and uh, flaws. Um, well, uh, I, yeah, I, but uh, well, I I was the one who was kicking the shit out of Stardust, but. Oh, for uh, sure, but I, I, I still, I, I kicked uh, Princess Bride a bit, so um, yeah. So. And Jason was with me on that, so yeah. So I, I don't know. We can, we can move on to. Um, I mean, for one thing, as far as recommending it, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. I actually think it's also a good first Bergman movie to watch because I oh, do yeah. think between the uh, road trip aspect to it, yeah. and it's a modern film. Yes, it's about an old person, and it's about essentially. Um, yeah, which old people will definitely love this movie. It's very for them. <laughs> um, but but uh, for younger yeah. people, I, th- I think there's a lot of value in this movie. And we can get into it in the second part. But but yes, I think there's something about this movie that's very accessible and yet extremely subtle, extremely Bergman-esque, extremely sophisticated. Um, so it's it's an uncompromising vision but still not being too far off. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it also says a lot about Bergman that, you know, this is a movie about old age and, you know, uh, the, you know, what you're leaving behind. And, you know, it, it, it is so mature. And yet uh, Bergman died 50 years after this movie came out. So, I mean, you know, like Bergman was still not an old man when he made this so oh yeah exactly which is why i think it is a good movie for younger people because it comes yeah. from that perspective for sure right. i mean it's multi-generational that's what the movie is too so yeah i mean and it's it, and the one thing i'll say as far as ratings when i went back and i looked at my ratings i was surprised to find that i, I rated it a nine and I, I and i immediately bumped it up to a 10 because <laughs> there's these few movies that i've I've rated 10 and a lot of them are not 10 per se, like back to the future and star Wars and some other ones. Like those are more emotional tens and, and wild strawberries. And there's a few other Mulholland drive is another one. And 2001, some of those are emotional, but, but, but yeah, I felt like, yes, uh, wild strawberries is not perfect. It probably deserves a nine, but just because of, over the years, how it evolved in my mind and the fact that it is a top five movie for me, uh, or at least I've put it in my top five several times, uh, I might as well kick it up to a 10 <laughs> just for the, the right. hell of it. I mean, if you consider any movie to be in your top five of all exactly. movies of all time, yeah. it better be a 10. <laughs> Except, which is why I was surprised it was a nine. And I think Chinatown is another one that's like top five, top 10. And I, I think I might have rated it a nine. So I bumped that one as well. <laughs> what, what about you guys? Where do you feel it falls for you? Jason, do you want to go first or should um, I? I, I? I think it's a like a very solid eight, um, maybe more. Um, I, I totally agree with you that it's a um, I've only seen, I think, three of his films. Um, but I think this would be like the best one that out of those three that I've seen. Um, if someone were to pick one to watch and like kind of to try and kind of ease them their way into his movies and just sort of see if they 
want to explore more of them and stuff. Um, I want to explore more of his movies, um, but um, that's that. Yeah, right. and Seven Seal is on um, HBO Max, so you could. Uh, uh, I might actually watch it too because I've I think I've only seen it once, and I wasn't as crazy about it as most people are. So, I, yeah, I'll, I think they well, have I a few of his films. Saw, um, I don't know where we went. I, I don't I don't think it was the New Beverly, but we went and saw that uh, Virgin Spring or whatever one. That was pretty good. It was the New Beverly. I think it oh, was. Was that New Beverly? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a double feature. I'm not sure if it was with Wild Strawberries. It might have been something else, but um, I don't but, think yeah. it was. But maybe it was. No. Not- Maybe I, I think I'm not sure if it was, but um, yeah. In any case, um, how about you, Matt? Well, um, this is kind of difficult. I, I mean, it's not you know like a, a perfect movie, like you know Schindler's List or City of God or White Chicks or anything. Um, going back to White Chicks. <laughs> uh, I. I Honestly, I, I, yeah, I think it's a nine at least for me, uh, probably a nine and a half. Uh, but I, I mean, like this is, I mean, for me, the seventh seal is a nine and a half and wild strawberries is like, you know, on par with the seventh seal, like maybe a not a notch lower for me. So yeah. Uh, uh, th- this is one of my favorite movies. So um, I- I- I'm trying to reserve my tens for like just blew my brain out of my head. You know, I, I can't, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, can't really articulate how much I love this movie kind of movies. And this came close, but it's not, quite there so you know yeah uh, uh that's the only reason why i'm not giving it 10 out of 10 yeah it, it's like a 9.5 cool that's ah, still um pretty high praise um yeah. higher than i gave it before <laughs> um <Yeah>. the um <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually had this idea, like maybe, maybe at some point we should do a, a shorter episode, not today, of discussing our 10s. <laughs> Think about yeah. like which movies we would rate a 10 and, and kind of discuss them and why we give them a 10. Because giving a 10 is, yeah. is almost you shouldn't do that. Uh, but on IMDb, just for fun, because nobody cares, it's just stupid ratings. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, like, you know, get, giving our rationalization for every 10 that we've given. Yeah, um, I'm all for it. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to um, give me some advance notice before we do that because I have not been keeping track of of things using IMDb. So, yeah, me neither. I'm sure there's some movies that I've seen since because I I took a, a good 10, 15 year gap of not ratings. <laughs> so um, so I'm sure there's some movies that I've seen in that in those years. Maybe I would have given a ten to so. Anything yeah, is possible. I, I, but but yeah, just whatever you see on IMDb, you know. I would be. just need to basically make a list be prior to talking about it because I don't, yeah, have, I, I don't have it ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I, oh no, I, for sure. I, yeah, I don't think I've given a rating on IMDb in the last 16 years or something. But uh, anyway. Yeah. anyway. Uh, okay, all cool. Right. All right. Um, so um, getting into spoilers. I, I guess we, we, we yeah. got a bit into it, but not too far. Um, we can start with you, Matt. What was your um, 
quibble. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So my, my, my quibble was that, um, okay. So the first, uh, well, actually we've been talking about this, uh, dream sequence, vision, uh, projection, whatever. The first sequence that we had cinematographically very clearly was shot. Uh, I, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but you're shooting black and white. You use a bunch of color filters in front of the lens in order to adjust the contrast of the light that's passing through and actually hitting the film. The first sequence was very clearly shot with a red filter. Uh, at, at the very least, an orange filter. So it was extremely high contrast. The skin tones were in, uh, were just absolutely white. And it's the only scene in the movie that was handled that way. And yet we had several more dream sequences, visions, projections, so on and so forth. And they weren't handled in the same way. And yeah, and this is why it's a quibble and not a problem. I still got it when I was in the vision, projection, whatever, dream, you know, so on and so forth in the movie, but there wasn't any visual congruity after that first scene. None of them were handled in the same way visually. And that kind of bothered me. The first sequence, the the first dream sequence, um, it's, it's about him seeing his death. Like it's about him seeing himself yeah. as a dead person. Right. And um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure of the specifics of the other ones, but but that was there was one that was a, a very pure, pure dream. And and maybe it's the fact that it's they wanted to be overexposed and very expressive uh, because it was setting up the tone for the rest of the movie. Uh, but maybe then once they got into more back and forth with the flashbacks and projections, or at least, or I think he's got one more dream there. He falls asleep in the car one more time. Um, that maybe, um, maybe they felt like it's good to be consistent, and and maybe the overexposure is mainly just for that one scene where he sees himself, like dead in the coffin. Yeah, um, it's the it's like the Luke Skywalker cave scene. In a way, like it was just a particular scene they wanted to do it. But but to stay committed to that, maybe they felt like wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. There's still a shift in color between the the depending on the mood of the sequence. Like sometimes it's very bright in some of the um, the projections slash flashbacks, and then it gets dark when he goes back with the the scene with mm -hmm. the baby towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, so it, they definitely play with light. Let's just say that they they're very specific about the use of light in this movie. Yeah. There's no doubt. The, the scene yeah. with the wife is also significantly darker than like the stuff with Sarah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think I think it's definitely very intentional. 
Um, let's just say it wasn't a mistake that it was overexposed and or that there was inconsistency. Uh, no, no, no. I, I don't think that it was a mistake. Uh, I, I, well, I don't think that they were just like, oh, shit, we overexposed the scene or something. I, 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 I think that it was a deliberate decision. It's just something that uh, for me... I I view it as something that stuck out like a sore thumb in a way that maybe the filmmakers didn't intend it to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I mean when I when I watched but, it, I, I think when I watched it like a second or a third time, I did when I was more into cinematography, like oh yeah, that's that scene is completely overexposed. But then I I know that it's a dream sequence. There's a clock with no, you know, with no. Um, mm-hmm. Hands that you can't are. tell that he would no hands and then and then once you it hits you once he sees himself okay like this is like they're just kind of pushing it as far as possible i mean there's also the the faceless man yeah. it's just a very abstract dream very yeah. abstract it's the most abstract dream of the of the movie in a way and it starts it off but I, I can I can totally understand someone seeing that and saying like ah maybe they, they went a bit too far maybe it wasn't necessary to overexpose it maybe they if there's going to be a lot of other sequences that well, are similar I, I mean honestly I would have liked it if they had uh, done more red filter kind of stuff but also I mean it's 1957 and you know anybody who was shot on black and white film knows that. You know, if you throw a red filter in front of your camera, it kills two stops of light. So, like, you know, it's not really feasible to <laughs> to to exactly. To I guess that, they could only do it know, in broad like daylight with yeah, the sun right. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was 1957, and so I mean, the fastest film that they had. Well, actually, still to this day, the fastest black and white film that we have is 200 ISO. So, you know, uh, that's gonna, uh, you know, really inhibit you. Uh, but also to that point, um, a, a scene in the movie that gained some points back for me cinematographically was, uh, one of the flashback scenes, uh, in the car, uh, where they, they actually, you know, they're sitting in the car in the rain and there's a hard light going through the windshield and you're, you're actually seeing the projection of the light on uh, the projection of the rain on the faces. And Conrad L. Hall is famous for that for in cold blood, which came out 10 years after this movie. <laughs> so, I mean, if anything, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that Conrad O'Hall um, consciously stole it from Wild Strawberries, but, you know, somebody beat Conrad O'Hall to it. So uh, anyway. Um, and here I was thinking that with Wild Strawberries, we weren't going to get our, you know, Matt's cinematography rant. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) cinematography is really good, even though it is a very talky movie. It's uh, it is fairly good. (laughs) Uh, I even like brought up cinematography before, so that's that's how it goes. (laughs) I just meant like when he started saying earlier on that he's like, I got some problems with this movie. I was like looking this up and I was like, oh, he's gonna be like 
this Gunner Fisher guy's like a fucking hack or something. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, he shot the seven seal. Right? Yeah. But yeah, it's not Sven Nyqvist. I was actually looking it up and was like, was this shot by Sven Nyqvist? Because like, are, is Matt shitting on Sven Nyqvist? <laughs> no, I, 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 I would happily perform fellatio on Sven Nyqvist. Um, <laughs> what was that? Uh, the Bergman's uh, uh, mainstay cinematographer, uh, at uh, least I think toward, throughout the '60s and like most of his yeah. movies. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he also he also shot Celebrity for Woody Allen and uh, a few other uh, Hollywood Hollywood films. But uh, yeah, the yeah the man was a genius. One thing I will say, since we're now going to spoilers and stuff. As far right. as my uh, my reaction to the movie when I first saw it, and and of course now, it's it reminds me of Akiru, and we mentioned it also in one of our yes. discussions. It's it's a very complete movie about summing up a life. Uh, it's and it's, that's usually done best with older people. Also, although sometimes it could be interesting with with younger people too, but. But this does it really well. It's just it, it, the whole generational thing. Yep. Like they literally in the car, they have a scene when they pick up the husband and wife in yep. the accident. They have a car with three benches. And the first bench is the is the old man with his um, uh, daughter-in-law. And then in the middle, you have the, the husband and wife, which is one generation below him. And then behind them on the third bench is the the younger kids, like the the hitchhikers, and it, it's just perfect. That's perfect storytelling. That that's how you tell a story. Like it's yeah. visual. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Like the what he does there, and it's so so simple. Uh, and he and he tells the story about this guy's missed opportunities, um, dreams that are that didn't happen, lost love. You know, the opportunity that he had to to be with, uh, I guess, the whatever mm-hmm. cousin or something. And, and then she ended up being with his brother or something. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's all these like little touches of, of summing up a life. But he's doing it from the perspective of a person that is cold and disliked. And that's the thing that I mostly connected with because I've always struggled with that as well. Like I've also had the reputation for being you know, not as uh, empathetic or, um, you know, cold at times or too rational and, and seeing movies like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never liked you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. But, Uh, but I think watching a movie like this and, uh, and, and, and that's the whole thing is that he even knows this. He even understands this, but at the same time, there's these characters, you know, like the 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 what's his face in the gas station, uh, the little cameo by uh, Max von Sydow, Max von Sydow, the young uh, young at the time, yeah. So so that they really respect him for everything that he's done, and um, and by the end, his his uh, daughter-in-law realizes that she was wrong. Like she realizes that really he's. He's a good person. It's just that often it's the impression, the, the, um, the, mm-hmm. art, uh, the, not artificial, but the, um, 
what's the shallow what's the word for the shallow? surface yeah on the on, on the surface yeah the the um, superficial that's the word uh on a superficial level uh people can be perceived in a, in a certain way whether it's snobbish or but ultimately we're all humans we all have our bad sides or our good sides we're all humans we're all flawed and, and ultimately we're all redeemable we're all lovable we all deserve to be loved and uh, and we all try to love and i think that's what this movie is about uh in a way and it just it just does it so fully it, it just really doesn't miss anything it just really nails the whole thing and it's even got a little like blurb about like you know arguments about god and religion and stuff which is always fun with bergman um so it's it's just got everything it's really one of those movies that just connects for me on so many levels which is why i think it's my favorite of his what you know whether what's the reason for i think even the reviews that i'm reading on imdb from the critics a lot of them also feel like that it's one of his best movies so so i'm not sure why the people at the facebook group like if it doesn't come up as often but but yeah, it's it's just a really strong movie. It's very tough for me to find flaws in it. I actually, when I was watching it this time, I really tried to look for them. But I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's slow at times, but it's not too slow. It's an hour and thirty minutes, and it's a road movie. Yeah. I, I it's uh, it's honestly, it's not even that boring. I, I was trying to see like where's the pacing issue here because there's always going to be some pacing issues in these movies, and. It's like solid through and through. <laughs> it's just, it's it's one of those movies for me. I can't explain it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I guess Jason, what, what do you feel like as far as um? Uh, guess, there was a couple of things I was just going to comment on, not not like in any particular order or anything, but like mm -hmm. you you mentioned earlier, you know, um, how this movie, um. I guess you could say it's um, well, certainly not unique, but um, it's different because it's not like just doing your stereotypical flashbacks like we touched on. You know, it's kind of like they're they're like him viewing stuff that he wasn't actually there for, but had a massive impact on his life, kind of thing, and stuff. Um, the the first one. Uh, not not the one Matt was talking about, not the dream sequence, the actual dream sequence, um, not the the Luke Skywalker cave sequence, but um, the um, the one with uh, with Sarah picking the strawberries, and then the brother shows up. Um, I I was watching that, mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, a lot of times when you're watching a movie, especially for the first time or whatever. You're not always like a hundred percent remembering everybody's names and stuff. And so like he talks about the strawberries. He's kind of like thinking back in his memory as a kid or whatever. And it goes into a flashback. And in my head, just because, you know, I've watched thousands of movies and whatever, I'm immediately thinking, okay, here's this, you, you know, almost like what you said, almost like a, uh, uh citizen kane thing i was like okay so this is gonna be like a young love thing and here's the hot girl and she's you know picking strawberries and stuff like that and he's gonna come up and then this dude shows up and he does look like he could be a younger version of him you know 
And and so my brain immediately thought, okay, this is him. And then he comes up and he's he's really like he's really hitting on her, you know? And I was like, wow, he's like in his youth, he was very uh, you know, very forward. And then she even says something like, leave me alone, I'll or I'll tell Isak, you know, I'll tell your your uh, your brother. And I was like, oh damn, like that ain't even him. That sucks. Like, oh man, this girl's getting hit. Like, oh, his woman's like, uh, you know, having to put up with with the uh, the brother, like trying to make a play. That sucks, you know. And <laughs> I just like it, it, being that that's like the first one. It's like sets you up for all the rest of them. And I was like, man, it's like a lot of. Uh, you know, it, it goes to that whole melancholy uh, nature of a lot of the, the movie. It's like a, a lot of really unfortunate things. You know? She was um, so desperate to be in, in her eyes to be good for him. And yet she's like surrendering to this other guy's advances, you know? Uh, yeah. No, I think a lot of it is pretty much about everything we could be or everything that could have been, but was not. Yeah. And um, and maybe in a way the son, like his son, um, he's his his uh, symbolism in a way. He, he sort of represents a more extreme version of his dad. I guess every generation just becomes more extreme, but uh, but he's even colder than his dad. He doesn't even want to have want to have kids. <laughs> you know, he uh, he doesn't feel like kids should be brought into this cruel world because he's just so jaded about everything uh, where um, his his dad is not that jaded he's just skeptical about life or at least um, just keeps wondering what could have been or what was and and not being able to put all the pieces together maybe until towards the end where, where he can finally rest and there's the scene with the parents in the end which is like a great like an amazing ending for me it's like it reminds me of uh, la dolce vitae too that's also like a, a when you end on a face of, of a character and it really just nails something that's definitely uh uh that's definitely uh, definitely works for me but but yeah it's it, it, that's why it's a very generational movie it, it's all yeah. about how each of these generations have to struggle with the burden of life it is a burden like life is not always happy uh but but i think he realizes that and i think they realize as well that's why at the end the son compromises and he decides that she can have the baby and they're going to stay together because ultimately it's the to be or not to be like what so are you going to kill yourself or are you going to live might as well just live you're already here and unless yeah. you're going to like just you know Mm -hmm. jump out of the out of a building or a bridge tomorrow you might as well make the best of it which is what the son realizes in the end and 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 what the dad realizes in bed he realizes like you know what i haven't been the perfect human being um you know some people liked me a lot of people didn't like me but i've done the best that i can and and i'm i'm okay with it it's i i'm whole with it and that's what the movie is i, I think trying to say and it's yeah, he's also kind of um, happy for the son too, right? I mean, like, because, um, like the the in the car, the girl opens up to him and set and literally like says something about seeing the pattern, right? From the from the ancient mom who's like ninety eight years old or something like that, 
to uh Isaac to the son or her her husband whatever and then and she's got a child inside of her and she's like holy crap this like kid is destined to be miserable and lonely you know and then like you know he 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 sees at the end that his son despite being frustrated and pissed off about the situation he's he's genuinely like committed to being with the with his wife you know and so it's like even if stuff bothers him in the future, he he sees that there's probably some sort of cycle being broken there, right? Because he's like, he's going to not be alone. Uh, yeah, but also I, I feel like in that scene with the with the mother, with the Isaac's um, mother, um, she also finally has sympathy for him because she sees where it comes from. Yeah, it's it's all generational. Like he was doomed to be who he was, and this is all the uh, if going back to the discussion. When you, of, say uh, she, you mean the 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 stepdaughter, right? The the stepdaughter. Yeah, she yeah. she has finally she has that's when she has some compassion for him because she realizes that wow, if that's this is his mother, and <laughs> she's such a cold bitch. <laughs> no <laughs> wonder that he's struggled with being uh, empathetic likable you know and no wonder that this that his son is struggling with the same ailment and um and as far as as far as the future of the unborn baby is you know history uh, doesn't repeat but it rhymes you, you you can only hope that with time that there's there's a chance for the next generation maybe to 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 find their own way but they have to find it themselves you know, and and the only way to do that is to give them birth. You can't just yeah. end it right there because then we're doomed. <laughs> I I also think that there is a a bit of significance that needs to be brought in with the. Uh, I I I mean, it it didn't turn into a fist fight, but like a kind of a puny, shoving fight between the two men in the back of the car who who had a disagreement about whether or not God exists. I mean, you know, the, I, I think that there's some symbolism there in terms of like meaning and, you know, like, I, I mean, fundamentally, how do you get past that in terms of, you know, like uh, a conversation about meaning, especially, you know, in 1957, you know, like the, the, there's, uh, there's a fundamental philosophical clash there and i i mean i think that has to be pretty much the only reason why in a 90 minute movie they decided to put that in there to just kind of talk about eventually you know like well you know eventually you're gonna die and you have to examine why you've been on this world why you've been on this planet why you've actually existed and I mean, yeah, that that little shoving match was basically was basically a, a microcosm of the whole philosophical nature of the entire freaking movie. Yes, no, for sure. He didn't just have but, the argument at the table, and, and then later on they're fighting. Uh, I think that, and, and then of course the the professor, like Isak, like. Um, sort of takes the the high road or the the middle ground. He he says he doesn't want to admit whether he believes in God or not. He 
and that's a very old person thing to say is like does it really matter <laughs> yeah it doesn't yeah. doesn't really all <laughs> ultimately it, it just all it does is create conflict and fighting and um and just letting people be whatever they are or believe what they want to believe is is probably the best way to go which is not very uh, bergman like because bergman made several movies that are very anti-religion but in this movie this is why I think it's is one of its wisest movies. Is it really just often say says I don't know, we don't know. Like we want to be as objective as possible about this idea of life, whether it's from a perspective like a religious perspective, a epistemological perspective. It's all just we're just a bunch of animals, <laughs> essentially like <Yeah>. intelligent <laughs> animals going through life. And life is difficult, and it's got a lot of emotions and a depression and and uh, consequences and memories and and you sort of have to just deal with it. and uh, and this is a bunch of people dealing with it and in various ways at various uh, periods of their lives, depending on the character. And um, yeah, and it's it's melancholy, but like Jason said, it's very life affirming. It's very hopeful, mm -hmm. even though it's a very depressing movie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the it's worth mentioning that the uh the actress who plays uh Sarah, well the two Sarahs, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, BB Anderson. Yeah, she was really good because it's like I mean you get to see the the it's two different I mean I mean it's not separated by a massive stretch, but it is two different kind of time periods, I guess, in a way. And the the young kid is like so you know modern and so you know in your face and um just it's just she's playing two extremely different characters even though um you know like he he mentions that he sees similarities in them but they're the way they talk and the way they they're dressed and the way they they act is uh so different and it's it's a it's a pretty interesting thing to see the scenes back to back when they have little visions and flashbacks and such. Yeah, and the funny thing I have to admit that I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that I noticed that she's the same actress. I, I really, I wasn't sure. I, wasn't sure. I, I, I wanted to uh, see when I looked it up on IMDb, and I was, and there's like a little slash thing. I was like, I, oh, she was the same one. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Bibi Anderson is a pretty famous actress. I'm, I'm not super familiar with most of her work i know she was in persona and like uh, a few bergman i think seven seal too but yeah. but yes you know obviously we see these movies every once in a while and i'm not too familiar except for of course uh even though she's not in this movie but uh, uh lee volman is in a ton of like bergman movies so I, i'm very familiar with her but yeah, it's it's tough. Like there's a lot of faces, and sometimes if they look different, it's you might not recognize them as the same actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting choice. It's she um, just died two years ago. BB Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, I think I recall something about that. That's that's what it came to my mind too. And then I realized that she was in this movie. It's like, oh wow. Um, yeah, because really, there's there's the whole yeah, like Sven Nykvist. There's. Um, Max von Zida and like Lee Volman, they were on a bunch of Bergman stuff, but but some of the actors I I just less familiar with, they don't show up as much. I haven't seen enough of his movies to tell you where I would place it. 
Oh, yeah, rankings, right. I've only um, seen three. Yeah, I could definitely do that. Uh, it's But yeah, so, so many of them I've seen um, so few times, so it's tough. But it's the funny thing, I'm re-watching Scenes from a Marriage because I watched the, um, the HBO remake recently. And... Um, and we decided to um, to watch the original one, the scenes from a marriage that Bergman did. And uh, it kind of seems like sacrilege to remake a Bergman movie, but um, well, it's it's a Bergman um, miniseries, so that was converted yeah, yeah. to uh, to a movie, and uh, it's it stays it's pretty faithful to the spirit of it. And apparently, I think Bergman's son was involved. In the production, oh okay, but it's pretty yeah. good. It's um, it's uh, it's it's not um, it's it's probably not as good as the original. Although I'm watching it now, uh, but um, it's just different. But it, and it's got the role of, uh, flipped the roles like the um, the I think in the original the man cheats, but here the woman cheats. So it's it modernizes the. Uh, the story a bit to like mix it up in an interesting way and um yeah and oscar isaac yeah. and and um so uh, jessica chastain jessica chastain yeah oh, so, okay. <laughs> um yeah oscar isaac and jessica chastain uh they're both very good in it well, um they're both sure. very good in almost everything yeah no exactly it's uh it's a good good cast uh in any case as far as like ranking um bergman films the ones i've seen Let's say if we start from top to bottom, I, I think Wild Strawberries, um, I think The Virgin Spring uh, is definitely up there for me. I, I really like that one. Um, Cries and Whispers is really good. Persona, Persona might be the number two movie for me. It's definitely, if you're going to see another Bergen movie, Persona might be worth it. Um, Hour of the Wolf. I think Hour of the Wolf was the one that we saw with Virgin Spring, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. That's the, the horror movie that he did, which a lot of people love, and I liked it, but I, it's not my favorite of his. Um, Hour and, of the Wolf. Hour of the Wolf. And then there's um, Through the Glass Darkly. Through a Glass Darkly, which I, I had high expectations for. I think it was mostly okay. Not amazing. The Seventh Seal. Yeah, I, th I think top five would probably be Wild Strawberries, Persona, um, The Virgin Spring, The Seventh Seal, and, and Cries and Whispers. Cries and Whispers is a weird one, but it's I think it's also worth a look. It's in color, and I think it's um, Sven Nyqvist. But I remember for some reason, like, um, that movie... Yeah, cries and whispers, like the use of color there. It's like the it's like his vertigo, like he really like the cinematography there is like gorgeous and it uses color really well. And it's, I don't know, it's it's just one that really stuck with me for sure. Where is it? Nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are like just I, I guess uh, standout ones, the ones that I mentioned. But but yeah, yeah. And, and and cries and whispers was uh, Sven Nyqvist. So, it's been uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 I would pretty much agree with your rankings. Only I would uh, put the seventh seal higher, but I mean that that's just again a, a 
a quibble. It's not even, uh, you know, like, oh, well, no, shit. You know, Seven Seal is clearly better. You know, it's uh, just personal preference. And, uh, you know, they're all great movies. Uh, Cries and Whispers really fucked with my head. Though, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, I, I mean, still, it's still a great movie. I mean, a lot of great movies fucked with my head, but that movie really fucked with my head. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, and at the same time, I guess yeah. it's it's good to mention. Um, I mean, uh, the ones of his that I wasn't crazy about. Uh, were mainly, I guess it's the two that were made, <laughs> that were converted from a miniseries to a movie, and maybe that's because they were condensed that it didn't work for me. But mm. Fanny and Alexander is a famous one of his, and, and mm-hmm. Scenes from a Marriage. Both those movies, they essentially took a six, seven hour miniseries and turned it in a, into a three hour movie, and both of them didn't work great for me. Like, I liked them. I found value in them, but they're not nearly as good as the other movies that we mentioned. And it might have been just the way that they were cropped down to to fit a, a movie length.